Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, our lovely listeners. I come to you on this final episode in our great Twilight Saga reading extravaganza to make a small and humble request. If you would be at all interested in beta reading my book for me, and giving me feedback, it would be greatly appreciated. So that way, I don't make it to market at some point with a book like Twilight. We don't need any more Twilights in the world. So yeah, if you're interested, just message me on Twitter, email us at uh, the email that will be at the end of the episode, because Sarah is always the one that says that stuff. Uh, And I would be happy to connect with you and get you the files. Thank you. I'd like to set the stage for you. The year is 2009. I'm 13 years old. I'm only just learning how to use the internet. (laughs) I log on to warriorsfansite.wetpaint.com and I hop in to the mod chat to talk to some of my friendos about all of our our daily tasks. And one of them says, did you see? Did you see the leak? <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is writing Twilight over again from Edward's perspective. And the the PDF was leaked. You can read it online. And what did I do? Oh, I rushed. I rushed my little 13-year-old ass over to that illegal pirating website. And I got that PDF. And I read the entire thing in like a few hours. There was no choral music playing behind me as it happened, though. Oh, I certainly yeah. hope so. Uh, this was I was I was singing Hallelujah under your intro because we're done. <laughs> but it's supposed to be my intro. Both of our intro. Oh, okay. Anyway, the point is, at the time, Stephanie Meyer was pretty adamant that she was never going to release Midnight Sun in a physical form because, I mean, what's the point? After the whole thing had been leaked. Not the whole thing, but about half of it had been leaked. Um, But thank the heavens that she decided to release Midnight Sun in August of 2020. Because here we are. Are we thanking the heavens? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We are here at our final episode. I'm going to get emotional. Let's do it. Which god are we praying to? Are we praying to (laughs) Bella's god? We're praying to (laughs) Bella's god. Maybe some eldritch gods. The old ones? I don't know. (laughs) This is our final episode of Midnight Sun. This is our final episode of Twilight. Uh, We're saying goodbye to Stephanie Meyer. We don't have any more movies to watch. I tried to get Emmy to just rewatch the first Twilight movie with me. She said no. 
we can rewatch the first Twilight movie with Steffi when she gets here. <laughs> yes. Yes, that sounds like a great idea. Um but yeah, we're we're almost done. Well, we are done. We're done reading, but we do need to finish talking. And I have a lot of do things it. that I want to say because a lot of things made me go, "Excuse me." Do we need to do we need to talk about it? Yes. Maybe we just let it run. Maybe we just spend this episode with you telling me random facts and falsehoods about Maximum Ride, and I have to guess <laughs> whether or not they're true before we do the actual first episode next week. <laughs> I would love to do that. I don't have a good enough memory about Maximum Ride, though. Like, there's some crazy stuff that, like, I remember... Like, all of their weird powers and stuff, but you already know that, because I told you about it. Yeah, the problem with that is, like, I don't remember it offhand, but if you yeah. like, started listing things out, I would remember which of them were true and which of them weren't. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was writing my fanfiction, uh, one of my biggest things was that Angel can read minds, and also Edward can read minds, and that's how they become friends, or whatever. But, like... I feel like it wouldn't be the same because <laughs> Angel can also put her thoughts into your head. So like, it's not really the same as what Edward does. I had the realization today uh, that while Edward can read minds, Alice can also effectively read minds because she can just see what you're about to say before you say it. true she can't <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on that you hide that's a good point which ed does it's like <laughs> she can read to the outer shell of the mind you're right would you like to begin the crew <laughs> chapter 26 they're the crew now so yeah. we're calling them uh break in through the door of the dance studio and bum rush james uh for those of you who have been on the interwebs for a hot minute it is very much a leroy jenkins <laughs> uh ed literally tosses james at emmett and we literally don't we don't know anything else about what happens with james from yeah that point on. ed's like you know, I'm going to be really jealous that I don't get to beat the shit out of him later. But like right now, I got to I got to take care of this stupid lady that decided to come in here all by herself and get fucked up by some big dude. We're going to victim blame Bella, OK? Yeah, we're victim blaming at this point. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he focuses on Bella with Carlisle. Uh, and most of this section is really just what already happened in the first Twilight yeah. in this area. But there's some added details. So uh, we learned that the reason Ed has to do the sucky is because Carlisle is still busy stitching Bella up. And Ed isn't skilled enough to do the work that Carlisle is doing and ensure that Bella also survives. Carlisle basically tells him, he's like, you're going to be, she's already lost a lot of blood. You're going to be sucking blood out of her. I need to make sure these wounds are closed yeah. if you're going to be doing that. Um, 
next little bit is one of the possible futures Alice sees because she tells Ed that he can save Bella, that it's going to work, that he can suck the venom out. Um, But one of the possible futures that she sees is that Ed just straight up fucking mercs at Bella. And she doesn't so she doesn't have to be a vampire. Not accidentally kills her by draining her. Just straight, just like fucking breaks her neck. Just like, yep, all right, we're just gonna end this now. Yeah, you get to die a human. <laughs> so uh, there's that. And then we see that Ed has difficulty stopping himself from killing Bella until Bella asks him to stay with her. And that is the only reason he doesn't turn her into a husk. Yeah. I had a lot of thoughts about this chapter. The first Did you have a thought, lot of feelings? I had a lot of feelings. Uh, my first thought was rage. Because they spent all of that time building up the fight with the tracker. And then no fight happened? And then no fight happened. Did you the, expect a fight? The tracker? This is Stephanie Meyer. So we don't get to the tracker until this chapter, right? It's like it ends as they're running up to the door. So he bursts through the door to the tracker. He's dead on the next page. Yep. Emmett and Jasper have torn him apart on the next page. Why did you lead him thousands of miles through Canada? He's clearly not that good in a fight. Like, it, I don't understand. It's It makes me so mad that they didn't just kill him in the meadow. I'm so, or not meadow, in the clearing. I'm so mad. When I realized on the second page that the tracker was fucking dead already, I was so angry. All he can do is run. He can't fight. Yeah. And the, uh, uh, it just made me so mad. Like... He wouldn't have been able to run forever, is is what I'm saying. And I know that they were trying to keep him away from the water, and there were a lot of explanations and stuff like that, but they should have killed him immediately in the, in the clearing. As soon as they realized what was happening, they should have killed him. There is no reason for all of this nonsense when it was so easy for him to die. I, so I was mad reading that. I had to reread it three times to make sure that I wasn't missing something. There was no fight. He was dead immediately. Once again, this is Stephanie Meyer. What did you expect? There is never a fight. The entire time that Ed is contemplating just letting Bella turn into a vampire, I was borderline screaming at my book. Because I was like, I know how it ends. So, like, I know that he wasn't just going to let her become a vampire. But I was like, just do it! Oh my god! Just let it happen! The emotional weight of his uh, of his internal debate is nil. Because we already know what happens. The only way that each, that internal debate had any weight to it was if Smyre pulled a quick one on us. And this is an alternate universe where everything was the same up until the ending where he lets Bella change. Yeah. That which would have been great, by the way. But she already did that in the um, gender bend. So I guess she feels like she can't do that twice. Isn't this really just a fixed gender bend, though? (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) It it really... um, 
I don't know. We spend a lot of time over the next few chapters with Edward and his internal like turmoil over the future that he and Bella have together. And I think like we've been mind numbing. Uh, oh yeah. We've been screaming at him for like 3000 pages now. So it's a little bit of a moot point right now. But um the it's becoming a vampire is what Bella wants. Like it's what she wants more than anything in the world to be a vampire and to live forever with Edward. But he doesn't know she wants that. But that's what she says. Yeah, but literally in this chapter, he when he's debating whether or not to turn her, he's like, maybe that's not actually the future she wants. And I'm like, dude. Dude. Yeah. Come on. It's definitely what she wants. Um and she she and she hasn't So she hasn't like told him point blank like turn me into a vampire or whatever yet. Um, she does later in this section, in this final part. Um, but she loves him and wants to be with him forever. So, like, I don't understand why he's having such a debate. Like, it's, I understand that he doesn't want to, like, curse her with a life of, of, like, half-life or whatever. And he looks at Rosalie and sees someone who's so deeply unhappy because she had her life taken away from it's her. It's Rosalie! Yeah, it's also- Why would you use Rosalie as a basis for anything? Yeah, it's- Rosalie is- Like, but he- It's What kills me is that he looks at Rosalie for the example, but Alice is happy. She doesn't remember her previous life, but she's happy. And Esme is happy. Esme is beyond happy! I would look at Esme as the example- much faster than I would look at Rosalie because Esme was brought into this life by someone she already deeply cared for. And Just, Emmett's happy. And Emmett's happy too. Jasper exists. I I was think <laughs> I was sorry. I was talking more in terms of like the women in his life because okay. you know he's looking at it purely from, from that a perspective. Sex perspective. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I just like I don't know. It drives me insane how little he takes into account what she wants you know like that's not a (sighs) the entirety of um this like final section is spent with edward just being like he's like he's i don't know he's agonizing over the fact that he has to leave bella and stuff like that and i just like i i can't sympathize at all if I had a really beautiful, loving girlfriend who, like, was super, like, passionately in love with me and wanted to spend her life with me, I, I don't think I would have this much agony over whether or not I wanted to turn her into a super hot immortal vampire forever. Well, that's your fault for being a godless heathen. You're right. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. All right. Um, do you have any more comments about Chapter 26? Bitches get stitches. Are you calling Bella a bitch? Bitches get stitches. I mean, when you're right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 27. Um, So they all get in the car to go to the hospital. Um, Emmett is sad because Jasper scared the tracker into giving up, even though Emmett totally had the fight under control. Uh, also, can we talk for a second about how gay Edward's thoughts about Jasper are? Because every time he thinks about Jasper, like, when he's not being, like, shrouded by Jasper's ability, he's, like, he's godlike, he's lean, he's agile, he's 
what we're seeing here <laughs> is that really the pairings a few centuries down the line are going to end up being Jasper and Ed fucking and Alice and Bella fucking. <laughs> <coughs> Jasper, Ed, and Emmett fucking. Rosalie getting none. <laughs> and Alice oh, and Bella are together. <laughs> uh, Rosalie sorry. comes up, might I have a crumb? No. No, you don't get any. You were a bitch for too long. Uh, Alice runs through the plan for the day ahead, and Ed is upset because Bella isn't going to wake up for at least a couple of days. They plan a big old reverse heist and then take Bella to the hospital. And I have to say that what's coming up next is, like, Alice's whole plan. This is not happening, like, in real time. Edward just sees it happening and re-happening and her shaping the plan altogether. I actually enjoyed reading that because it was it was at least something new and it was mildly interesting. Yeah, the way she did it was cool. Yes. Um, so Alice goes to a hotel to stage the accident, quote-unquote, in which Bella fell down the stairs and out the window. She gets the stolen car cleaned and ensures the blood and glass at the hotel will be cleaned up before it can be checked out by the police. She buys a bunch of clothes and luggage for the fam to stage their trip down to Phoenix, then sends Jasper and Emmett home to Washington to deal with getting Bella's truck to Phoenix. Rosalie won't help them because she sucks. Emmett concludes that Rosalie will just have to get over it. So the way that they did this, where they're... I'm assuming that the people listening have read the book, <laughs> mostly. Um, but the way that they did this was basically that Ed was watching as Alice looked into the future trying to make her plans. So at first she's like, okay, everyone is going to, we have to park away from the emergency entrance because we're driving in a stolen car so that, you know, Ed and Carlisle can get Bella into the hospital. I'm going to sneak by. I have to go get blood. I don't have anything to put the blood in. Okay, Emmett, give me your sweatshirt. She puts on Emmett's big old sweatshirt. So she's like, okay, I go in, I put the sweat, the blood in the sweatshirt. I go to the hotel. I don't have anything in my hands. Suddenly the lady's suspicious of me. Okay, I go back in the hospital. I pick out a duffel bag from someone's room. I take the duffel bag with me to look like I have luggage, check into the hotel, um, you know, whatever. I don't have the sweatshirt on because I put the blood in the duffel bag. Um, and then she's like, oh, I need to convince the lady that her clock is fast. Uh, Jasper, give me your watch. So she puts on Jasper's watch, you know, all this stuff. And she's like running it and rerunning this like sequence of events in her head so that she can get it down to where nothing goes wrong and nothing is left up to chance. It took me a minute to figure out the watch thing because like I read what she did where she's like, oh, it's actually 10 o'clock. But the I read that, didn't get it, and was still sitting there thinking, how are you going to make it so that this happened before Bella was in the hospital? And it took until I finished reading everything to the, like, all of a sudden I had everything. I was like, oh, that's why, that's why she corrected her time with the watch. Yeah. Oops. And I think the thing is about, like, they do all of this meticulous planning about every single step of this, this whole situation. I don't think anyone was really going to be... Because they're not getting the police involved. Nobody's, like, involving the police. So nobody's really going to be questioning what time they checked into the hotel. It just matters that they have the hotel and the accident scene there, you know? Like, and the, what killed me about it is the only thing that was, like, really amiss was, like, 
They staged the accident scene. She tumbled down some stairs out a window, poured blood everywhere. And then she left and she called later to be like, my friend fell down the stairs. There's glass and blood everywhere. I'm like, how dead is this hotel? That, that like, nobody noticed. Yeah, that there's this hole in the window and there's blood everywhere. And somehow nobody noticed. I mean, I understand that they covered the sound of the break with the horn. Yes. But like that nobody came by in yeah, nobody, the like, intervening time. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a door to the outside over there. So you would assume it's like something that guests can use to go in and out. Uh, but still, like that... Like, the, the rest of it was pretty good. Like, she went and got the stolen car. Like, she went to a detailer and was like, oh, someone threw up in the back of my car, so be careful. And so the guy put on a mask or breathed through his mouth so that he wouldn't smell it. And that's masking the smell of the, the blood that's everywhere. And so then she gets that car cleaned. They go and rent a car. And then they put the stolen car in a parking garage. So then they take the actual rental car uh and go pick up Carlisle's car. Jasper takes Carlisle's car back to Forks. Uh and then Emmett has to go home and drive Bella's truck down, but then they're like, no, that's gonna take too long. So then Alice calls Rosalie and she's like, I need you to go rent a flatbed and Emmett's gonna come home and he's gonna like help you get the truck and then they're gonna take it. You guys need to take it down to Phoenix. Um and she like specifically did not ask Rosalie to just do it herself because she could see that Rosalie wouldn't do it herself if Emmett wasn't there. Like, she would just say no. And I just don't know. Like, it's... Rosalie supposedly cares about her family so much, but then she's just, like, so shitty to them. Yeah, the only... It's not like her saying no or saying yes would specifically hurt or help Bella. Yeah. It is for the sake of the Cullens, so she's actually just spiting them? That's like... honest, Yeah, that's honestly the most important part of the plan, is they have to make sure that Bella's truck is in Phoenix. Because otherwise, how did she get there? We know she didn't buy a plane ticket. Like, that's the, that's the only, like, detail in this whole thing that, like, has to be correct. 100%. And at that point, if it's not correct, it just implicates the Cullens for doing something nefarious exactly so like good job rosalie being a fucking idiot i i don't know i thought this book might try to make us sympathize with her and like there were a couple moments where i was like okay so she's not entirely terrible but for the most part she was just even worse than we ever thought that she was before so just like Renee. Yeah, just like Renee. Oh my god. There was Who's no, coming up here in a minute. There was no moment in this entire book where I was ever like, oh, okay, Renee. In this whole book, I was like, oh my god. Stephanie Meyer just really leaned into how much of a fucking terrible parent Renee is. Yep. But she took it and ran with oh, it. Oh yeah. Would you like to go on with chapter 28? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ed watches Bella be unconscious. And notes that she smells different and will for a few weeks due to the blood transfusion. He's not happy about this. Uh, Note here, I thought about what it would be like to sit in a hospital never being able to sleep, just watching the person you care about being unconscious for days on end, and thought, man, 
Ed really needs a switch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would really help the time go by. He could play. I bet he would be great at Stardew Valley. Because he's oh just got all the time in the world. He'd be like, man, I don't need these berries, but I'm planting them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Carlisle comes in and calls Charlie, who is extremely appreciative of him. And admits that he sent Renee because he has to testify in a murder trial. And, like, while Charlie's actually a responsible person. Like, I can't come visit my horribly injured daughter only because I literally have to make sure this person gets put in prison for murder. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember, because I remember when we read the the first book, we were like, why isn't Charlie there? Why doesn't Charlie come down? And then it's like, oh, the explanation is fantastic. It's just, he's literally on the phone. He's like, I'm so sorry, Carla. Like, I wish I could be there. But like, if I don't go testify in this trial, this person is just going to get off the hook. And Carlisle's like, don't worry, we'll take care of her. And then Renee shows up and is just a fucking bitch. Ah! So yeah, Renee arrives. And Ed can literally hear her thoughts screaming <laughs> over everyone else's. And it's so loud that he literally thinks somebody is actually in the ho- er, in the hotel in the hospital screaming. Yes. Um and it's all like all of her thoughts are very panicky and it, the way he describes her makes me think of like a scared mouse just yes. huddled in a corner. And despite the fact that nobody else can hear her thoughts, everyone just seems to like get the that energy from her and they all just orient themselves around her and coddle her at all times um so she shows up in the room and ends up questioning Ed a bit and it's obvious that she blames herself for bella's reaction to her feelings for ed which means you know running away from forks because she thinks that she made Bella scared of commitment and relationships with her craziness, uh, which Ed denies. And now that Renee's there, Ed leaves Bella with her, and Alice brings him the camera that James had used so that he can watch the video. Why? I don't know. He already knows, like, what happened. Like, he yeah, saw Alice's like, visions. He's like, I need to watch it. She went through this, so I need to go through this. I'm like, no, that's not how that works at all. And and Alice literally tells him, she's like, I have tr- I've tried to come up with like a thousand different ways to convince you not to do this, but none of them work. So you could just break it. I know. I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, why don't you just shatter it? Like, does it just? Is it because you don't want him to be mad at you? But he's going to be mad anyways. So literally just shatter it. Problem solved. Yeah. So anyways, he goes and watches it. It's as bad as expected. Uh, and then he smashes the camera and the bottle cap, deciding that he has no right to such things, to any memory or joy in Bella's existence, and that he has to leave her. And then prays to her God, not his, because he doesn't have a God, but prays to her God for the strength 
to leave her. So, number one, Ed tells Renee it isn't her fault. And technically, it is true. It is not her fault because the entire plan that Bella had was just an excuse to get away. It had nothing to do with Renee actually mentally damaging her in any way. I mean, Renee did mentally damage her. (laughs) But that said, I wish she hadn't told her she was wrong. Only because I want Renee to have to deal with the consequences and self-loathing for once. Because she is like the opposite of Ed. Ed is in a constant state of self-loathing and self-imposed punishment. And Renee has no conscious understanding of the damage she inflicts on people around her. Yeah, um... I definitely, like, it's, I think a big reason why I wish he had just let her believe it was because of her own bullshit is because, I mean, isn't that the alibi? Yeah. Like, isn't it the alibi that Bella w- got the idea from her mom that she couldn't be stuck in Forks, so she had and to leave? He says he doesn't want to let her believe that because Bella would be upset that she believes that. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Let Bella be upset about it. Because you know what? Not only does Renee need to learn to take some responsibility for her actions and her choices, but Bella needs to learn to hold her mom responsible for some actions and choices. Oh, yeah. Everything that... (laughs) Bella has ever said about her mom and like the bullshit that she's done she's like told as like flippant little stories of just like oh whatever like you know she uh killed all my pets or she never wanted to have a pet and then like it's it may or may not be her fault that my fish died and you know all this stuff and she turned my oh and she left my dad because his parents were dying oh my god we didn't even talk about that so in the illustrated guide to twilight there is the backstory on Renee and Charlie and how, like, their whole thing blew up. And it the story goes that Renee and Charlie met very young at a party on First Beach. And uh, Renee was just, like, on a trip up from California with her friends. But she, like, was really into Charlie. Charlie couldn't leave Forks because his parents were older. And so they really needed him to stay and, like, take care of them. So, you know, Charlie and Renee, they have this whirlwind romance. They get married after only a few weeks. And Renee tries to convince Charlie, like, over and over again to leave Forks. But but Charlie's like, I can't. I have to stay here. I have to be with my parents. And so then, in the middle of the night, she takes Bella and just leaves. While Charlie's parents are dying and he literally has to take care of them. Yeah. I. (laughs) (laughs) That made me so mad when I read that. I was like, this girl, like, it's not like their marriage deteriorated or anything. It's just like she wanted to leave. You know what makes me angry about Renee? Everything. It's not the fact that she's a shit person and a shit mother. Because that's actually fine in a story. Like, that's good to have characters that are complete ass like her. Yeah. Uh, It's that there's just never any accountability or justice or anything for it. It just just is. 
<laughs> the only justice for it is that in the end of Breaking Dawn, first of all, the only justice is A, that Bella wound up more like Charlie and had a really good relationship with Charlie and thus got to go home and have a really good father-daughter relationship with her dad. But at the end of Breaking Dawn, when Bella decided to completely loop Renee out of everything, like she she let Charlie in on what she could let him in on because she still wanted to have him in her life, but she just decided, nope, Renee doesn't get to know anything. Okay, there is another punishment, and it's that she has to be part of the impetus for one of the worst names ever made for a game. <laughs> Renesme. Oh. <sighs> but anyway. <laughs> so yeah, Ed's concept of gods is really interesting and weird. Um I always expected that he was just like Yeah, there's Christian God in hell and I'm either going to stop existing or go to hell. But no. No. Um, he doesn't have any particular god that he does or doesn't believe exists. Uh, he doesn't even really believe that vampires and other supernatural beings exist in the purview of a god. He thinks that they are beyond and outside the control and authority of any god. It's only humans that are within the control of whatever god may or may not exist. I think it has a much less mythological meaning, and I think it has much more to do with him just being like, we are ungodly creatures, and no god would want anything to do with us. Oh, I don't want, I don't think it has anything to do with mythology. I just think that it's, I expect him to have, have a very more rigid yeah, uh, religious philosophy than he does. No. Which is just very... I guess because of the ex extent of his feelings on it and his negativity towards it, I expected there to be a very defined yeah. uh, system in place in his mind, but there isn't. It's just that he thinks they are against whatever positive deity might exist in the universe. Oh, yeah. Which is a lot weirder when you consider that he doesn't have... Heavily, heavy religious overtones from any specific religion involved in reaching that conclusion. No, um, I mean, I think Carlisle is definitely religious. Christian. Yeah, he's definitely like a Christian. And so I think that he probably has gotten some kind of impetus from Carlisle over the years. But again, Edward is but Carlisle's a is like a positive thing. So oh yeah, for that, sure. It's like, why would you take that? And, I don't know. If, I think if, if you look at it from the perspective of Ed and seeing Carlisle as being a good person and like have and Carlisle has like a lot of faith in his religion and stuff, and then Ed just being like, well, if that God exists, he probably fucking hates me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not so much that he like took Carlisle's thing and like twisted it. He was just like, that's the God that you believe in? And you think he wants me in heaven? Nah, man. To be fair, mood. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I will be on the fireman's pole down to hell with Lil Nas X. Only if Satan is actually a lady. <sighs> Alright, well, chapter 29. 
Uh, this is the hospital scene from the pr- from the first book. Uh, Bella wakes up and Edward gives her the alibi. They kiss. Bella's heart, quote unquote, literally skips a beat. Then Renee comes in to talk to Bella. Renee sucks per usual and leaves to go talk to Phil. Ed and Bella argue about Bella becoming a vampire and Ed lies the entire time about leaving Bella. Literally the whole time he's thinking about how he's going to leave her as soon as she's better. But he's like, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you. Don't worry. Uh, He then essentially has her drugged to sleep to get her to shut up about becoming a vampire. You left off one of the most important parts in the section. Which is? When Ed is listening in on Bella's conversation with Renee, and Bella is comforting Renee about the fact that she is horribly injured in bed. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And Ed's like, I guess if everyone treats her like this, and you have everyone fawning over you all the time and trying to fix the situation so that you never have to be unhappy it would make you a bit of a narcissist yeah essentially it's uh it's like the thing is i think it has a lot to do with her just being like very small and cute and then her like flighty and terrified personality on top of that like just makes people want to dote on her and i think if bella had the same personality people would probably react the same way because she's also very small and cute But Bella is Charlie. She took after Charlie. So she, people don't do that to her. I mean, people still do try to be like, you're tiny. I need to take care of you. But they don't do it in the same way that they do with Renee. And also Bella hates it when people do that to her. So another important thing that I left out is that, so Renee comes back up after Ed has been like talking to and kissing Bella and Bella's heart, quote unquote, literally skips a beat. And Renee comes up and she's like talking to the nurse outside the room. And the nurse is like, I've seen some unusual readings on her monitors. Uh, I was thinking about going to check on her. And Renee's like, oh, I'll check and I'll let you know. You're telling me. (laughs) No. You're telling me. I literally thought the same thing. I was like, never Renee. (laughs) Oh my God. I was like, first of all, if you (laughs) say. If you got the notification that someone's heart had skipped a beat on their heart monitor, you should go check on them right now. It's not like a, oh, it looks a little weird. I guess I'll go. They also say that like her heart has been increasing and decreasing and increasing and decreasing. Why did no one go to check on her? Uh. This whole section made me angry. Never Renee. Never Renee. Never Renee. Never send Renee to check anything. We've got Renee in this section. We've got Edward lying profusely to Bella about the fact that he's going to stay with her when he very clearly does not intend to stay with her. Um, and uh, just a lot of nonsense. I feel so bad for Bella at this point. Like I know I was, I was so pissed off at her when we were inside of her head the entire you know four books of this series but like reading it from this perspective in this book i feel bad for her because she's like deeply in love with edward and like she just really wants to be with him and she's she's done everything in her power to be there and be everything to everyone this entire book and now 
the person that she's in love with, the one thing she's ever asked for from anyone is that Edward stays with her. And he's like, no. No. He's like, yes. But no. Yeah. (laughs) And that kills me because when you realize that Bella has literally never asked for anything, she's never wanted for anything. She, all she wants is for the person that she loves and who says loves her to stay with her. And she doesn't even get that. Oh, she'll find somebody else she loves. Oh my god. The next chapter really hits on that, huh? Yeah, so everyone returns to Forks. And hey, this isn't a chapter. This is an epilogue. epilogue. Uh, It's the same length as multiple chapters, though, so. And Alice becomes Bella's at-home nurse, which Charlie loves. Uh, Ed pushes Bella around school in a wheelchair, and... He just glares at everyone who looks at her because she doesn't want to get stared at. And she's this somehow convinces her that she actually just isn't that interesting to look at. And it has nothing to do with anything Ed's doing. Yeah. Um, so the night of the prom comes and Ed is just as confused as the rest of us about how Bella is so fucking clueless about what's going on. Um. He's actually surprised by how cool she is with what's going with, with what's happening because he hasn't yet figured out that she doesn't know they're going to prom. Um, but notably, uh, t- when Tyler calls, Ed expresses concern over how possessive he sounded, and I can only assume that this is directly written in response to people being like wow ed sounded really possessive there smile yeah like it is the clearest example in my mind in this book of her just being like let me just fix that real quick right there because oh, yeah. he he was in the original book he was joking and i think i might have said like it's a little weird how he said it but like he's joking and here it's clear that he's joking but she still like took the time to put that in and like all me. Yeah. <laughs> um anyways, they go to the dance, dance stuff happens. Uh Jacob sh- shows up and is still really cool in his brain. I was so ups- I'm like angry at the way the series turned out <coughs> so much more now that we've read Jacob's thoughts leading up to now cuz he's so pure. He's like I can't believe my dad made me do this. But Bella looks really pretty in her dress. So I'm kind of glad that I came. But oh my god, I can't believe... I'm so sorry, Bella. Like, I know that Edward didn't do anything to you. I'm so sorry. Oh, but she's so nice. I like her so much. Oh, hello. And it's just like, god damn it, Stephanie Meyer. Why did you have to take this sweet boy and ruin him? I'm going to try and run away from that voice as fast as I can. <laughs> So Ed revealed earlier in the nope, Edward nope nope Ed revealed earlier in the chapter that he was making Bella go to prom, uh, so that she'd have and he didn't say this to her obviously because it wasn't in the first book either it's what he has in his brain, uh, he wants her to have stories for her children later, so that she's not just like and eh, my my life was dull and boring, um, which is obviously problematic because she's never expressed any interest in having children to begin with and he's just got some crazy ass cat head cannon of her life going on in his brain mm-hmm. 
But while Bella is dancing with Jake, Ed feels jealous because he realizes that she is <laughs> dying in the background. I was trying not to cough loudly. I was trying to tell you to just keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were, but I was more concerned about what was happening. I drank water and it went down wrong. I don't know how to drink water. Okay, nope. And uh, so Ed feels jealous because he realizes that the way Bella is more comfortable around Jake than she is around most people suggests that he could very well be the man that she is bringing those kids out with. Uh, And he doesn't like that. If only. and, And then we know the rest from there. It, it, does turn me into a vampire no turn me into a vampire uh what if i turn you into a vampire right now yes right now yes right now yeah (laughs) just kidding that's the end (laughs) oh well i've lost all control of my bodily functions um if you start shitting right here now We're going to have a problem. Joke's on you. I already am. <laughs> oh, God. I'm kidding. I'm not. Um, as, far as, <laughs> as far as you know. Um, oh, God. It, like, so Edward keeps remembering Alice's vision of Bella being, like, hollow and depressed. <laughs> if he leaves her. And he just keeps, like, brushing it off. And it's driving me insane because he knows what it's going to do to her if he leaves. He's just like, eh, eh, it's fine. It's fine. I just... And he... No, go ahead. Well, shit, now my brain is stuck on the fact that we, we both started talking at the same time. <laughs> say. You said, and he... He did. He did, in fact, evolve from a filthy monkey man. Oh, my God. I was saying that he knows what it's going to do to her when he when he leaves and he's just like, whatever. And you really can't remember what you were going to say. It's something that he keeps thinking about on top of that. And it was irritating me. I just don't understand. You go ahead and look. I don't understand why he's so disturbed by the image of of Bella and Alice, like both as vampires. Because, like in the image, Bella's happy. Is it because he thinks that Bella is gonna be with Alice? Obviously. I mean, who <laughs> um. No. Okay. Now I remember. It's that he keeps changing his definition of forever and what time is and he's like forever for me is just right now because i'm not living anywhere beyond this moment and i'm like dude you sound like a frat bro (laughs) who's had a few too many hits and is trying to get a girl into his bed yeah and she's like where where do you see this going and he's like going we're already here (laughs) it is definitely uh it is definitely a little bit of axe absolutely if not a lot of it of axe 
bro what are your pronouns bro? <laughs> my D D character his name is ash but he has a big axe and so emmy's character calls him axe and also he asks everybody he meets hey dude what's your pronouns dude hey dude hey what's your pronouns hey hey What's hey, your, what's up? What's your pronouns? Pronouns. Now, every time we approach someone, it is customary for me to just put my hands around my mouth and just go, hey, to the point where I now will look at my fellow party members and be like, uh, shall I A? Is this time for A? Do I? It is. A. You, you want me to A? I can A. A. And then Emmy's character A'd at one point, and I got really sad. What, you, you only got upset because I did it wrong. Oh, what did because you... I was trying to, I was trying to imitate it. Because I was like, yeah, I'm terrible at approaching people. So I was like, hey, oh, oh yeah, what's your, what's your pronouns, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, no, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> First of all, you got to be more like leaning back in your chair <laughs> when you do it, <laughs> and you got to like use your hands more when you talk so that they can visualize the flow of your speech. He's a frat Look, boy. I'm just, I'm just gonna go argue with my dead girlfriend sword. Yeah. Hey guys, we're nerds. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk about our D and D characters, uh, well, there's nowhere you can go to find that. So just let us know, and then we'll talk about our D. &D yeah. <laughs> characters. Um. Well, that's really all that was left. Um, that was the book. That was the book, and we're still we're only at 49 minutes. So Oh oh you did you think we were done? Oh oh no. <laughs> oh no. This book has been my nemesis for so many years <laughs> that it's hard to remember everyone who helped me along the way. But here are the heavy lifters. My three amazing children, Gabriel, Seth, and Eli, now all grown men who behaved themselves so admirably over the last 15 years that I was able to invest all the time I would have spent worrying about the crazy bad choices they didn't make. I don't know why I said crazy. There was no crazy in there. They didn't make into worrying about the bad choices my fictional people did make. Well, at least you know, Smire. <laughs> I really want to read the gender bend now because I feel like that's what she's referencing is that they she made them make better choices. My super capable <sighs> husband who handles most of the most of the math related and technological aspects of my life. The least impassioned thank spouse I have ever read. Yeah. It never gets any better. I, I can't from wait her to write my to her husband. Yeah, I can't wait to write my acknowledgments and just write to my husband who I love so dearly that I would die a thousand times to protect his soul. Our podcast got a better acknowledgement in Steffi's <laughs> thesis acknowledgments. Than Stephanie Meyer's husband got in her best-selling book series. Shout out to <laughs> Steffi. My mother, Candy, who quietly refused to ever accept that I had given up on this book. Fuck you, Candy. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you. you. My business partner, Megan Hibbett, who keeps Fickle Fish Productions on track while I abandon the physical world for long periods of time. Also my best friend, Megan Hibbett who is my primary outlet when I need to scream and rage over misbehaving characters. You, you wrote them. You made them misbehave. You, you chose, you had control. What? 
she's like god she's like <laughs> christian god just screaming about people misbehaving she's like you did this you let us do this ah. you, what was, you, you planned my agent jody reamer who let me take time with take my time with this one with god damn god we gotta start the sentence over again okay go ahead my agent Jody Reamer, who let me take my time with this one, but was prepared to jump into action the second I was ready. My fil- film agent, Cassie Evashevsky, whose calm good sense keeps me off ledges. All okay. the great people at Little Brown Books for Young Readers who have given me such extraordinary support, especially Megan Tingley, who has been with me for all 17 years of my writing career, you're fired. <laughs> Quit your job. Quit your job. <laughs> and Asya Muchnik, who is the kindest <clears throat> and most insightful of editors. All these women. All these women with so much better praise than her husband. I know, right? <laughs> She's a lesbian. <laughs> Roger Hagedan, the photographer who has shot our stunning memorable cover- covers. I can't imagine what the feel of the saga would be without your artistry. I am going to find Roger, and I'm going to stab him. For legal reasons, that was a joke. I hate pomegranates. Yeah, but that was like the theme, the imagery throughout the whole book was the pomegranates. I hate pomegranates. Would you have preferred if it was just like a bottle of the palm juice yeah that would have been fine <laughs> if it was a whole pomegranate that would have been fine yeah it's the it's the fact that it's a half a pomegranate i don't want to see the inside of a pomegranate okay the gorgeous ladies of the method agency nikki and becca who are always cheerful about the weird things i ask them to do at which point i want to know what, what these weird things are that you're do? asking nikki and becca to do also, I appreciate the fact that Becca's name is spelled with a K instead of C's, which means that both Nikki and Becca have K's in their name. And there's something, it's like they got together and were they were like, hey, you're a K. I'm a K. Let's, let's do an agency together. <laughs> so many gifted creators who've made incredible Twilight Saga websites and fan art. So many authors who have created incredible worlds for me to escape into. And you learned nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So many musicians who have unknowingly been the soundtrack in my head, including ones that I asked to do music for me and they told me to go fuck myself. (laughs) And then wrote songs about telling me to go fuck myself. (laughs) (sighs) And finally, the readers who were so patiently eager for this book I never would have finished without your support. You belong on this page. Please, write your name on the line below and give yourself a high five. Is that really That's... in there? Yes. There's actually a, there's a line beneath that <gasps> with a space for you to write your name. Okay, my book is like two steps away. Let me grab it. Okay, okay. Let me get my pen. Let me get my pen. Oh my god. Did are you writing these nuts? No, I'm not writing these nuts. <laughs> Ma. <laughs> I did it. I'm in the book. 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna write horny bitch in mine. <laughs> oh my god. I just wanna say, like, I I did my best to not be acknowledged. It was only with this final book that I was forced to actually contribute money to her career. Yeah. You know what? I'm not crying. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's done. That's sad. We we have. I was going to make an illusion, and I am forgetting the word I need. I I think it actually is just trials. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've only ever known it as being trials. I could have sworn that it was called something else. Yeah, the delays and adventures that he went through. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess they're just trials. So, uh... Yeah, fun fact, uh, we just completed the trial of the gods that was reading through this book series. I'm going to read the gender bent version. You can do that. I'm not. I know. I'm going to do it because, Emmy, I love Twilight. It's been a year. It's been a year of us reading Twilight, and I, I don't want to not read Twilight anymore. But we're going to read Maximum Ride. Yeah. I'm excited to relive. And even... Arguably even larger portion of my childhood, because this inspired many fan works, um, lots of pretend play outside, um, a lot of drawings, and even to this day, one of my current writing projects has a character in it who at one point was a Maximum Ride like fan OC. Rude. Look. I know. I'm going to give you a little backstory, too, for that. Because I told Steffi about this earlier in the week. Okay. Because my character in our D&D campaign, uh, she's an, a fiery angel lady. Yes. Um, but one of the spells she uses is green flame blade, which lets me use green fire. So the art I'm drawing for her right now has her blade covered in a green fire. And I sent it to Steffi, and she was like, you really have a thing with fire with a lot of your characters. And I'm like... You know what? You write. But I'm kind of resolving that. Because from the time I was but a wee child, I would get, like, those fake toy rings that have all those colorful gems in them. And I'd be like, each ring represents an element. And I control the elements for my outside play. And ever since then, I've been really into it. Until it culminated in me writing an entire book where a character shoots fire at people. <laughs> yep. You can't escape those things that weasel their way in there. Your average hyper nerdy author certainly does uh, just incorporate all of their childhood fantasies into their writing. Like, there's no way that most of these things didn't come like rooted into our brains in the from the time that we were children. And what we take from that is that from the time Stephanie Meyer was a child, she dreamed of abstinent sparkly vampire dick fun fact you can directly connect the line from 
9-11 to Ellen DeGeneres canceling her talk show after 19 years. <laughs> Would you like me to draw it for you? Does this have anything to do with Twilight? It does. <laughs> okay. So 9-11 happens. Gerard Way witnesses 9-11 and forms the emo band My Chemical Romance. Oh, this is about the fact that My Chemical Romance inspired Twilight. Yes. So My Chemical Romance inspires Twilight, okay? Uh, Stephanie Meyer writes Twilight, which eventually inspires the fan fiction Master of the Universe by famed fan fiction author E.L. James, which later gets turned into the novel series Fifty Shades of Grey. No. Master of the, they stole from the universe, which gave us Shira, Princess of Power, yes. for that name. <laughs> yes, and that makes me very upset. Okay. Anyway, so so then Neil James writes Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey becomes a worldwide phenomenon and turns into a movie series starring actress Dakota Johnson, who goes on Ellen DeGeneres and calls out Ellen for being a huge bitch, and then Ellen DeGeneres is further criticized for the way that she treats celebrities and for the way that she treats her own staff leading to ellen degeneres canceling her show after 19 years thank you for coming to my ted talk holy shit 9-11 <laughs> is the reason ellen degeneres canceled her show 19 years into the future and not even like in a crazy red string theory way like every it one of those steps was extremely important in the process. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was. That's I can't believe insane. it. Go dig up Osama Bin Laden. He's got some stories he needs to hear. That's the end. That's the end of Twilight. If it wasn't for 9-11, we wouldn't be here, which is the thesis for my... <laughs> For my uh, new book entitled How 9-11 Controls Everything. 9-11, Why Our Life is a Simulation. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to everything that we've done up until now. Uh, we still haven't figured out exactly, like, the portioning of Maximum Ride. Um... But, you know, we'll be back next week. I'll tweet out what chapters we're going to be reading of Maximum Ride for next week. Um, and I am so grateful for this journey that we have taken. It has all been insane and stupid. But I'm so glad that we did it. And it was so fun. And I'm going to miss reading Twilight with you. I'm going to miss the positivity i had starting this journey with you <laughs> and i'm looking forward to reading things that aren't twilight with you <laughs> you're right you're right all right follow us on twitter at 2020 twilight pod not for very much longer we're gonna have to change it although i did realize that our name is very long and twitter does not allow a lot of characters so we'll have to see exactly what our our twitter handle changes to if we don't get dmca'd again um <laughs> lit masters uh maybe um we'll have to see what's not taken uh but anyway so follow us on twitter at 2020 twilight pod m is at m of many names i am at sarah s wilton shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 twilight pod send us an email at literarymasterspod at gmail.com um 
all, all of our DMs are open now, for real. I know that I've been begging people to send us messages, and I just realized that our Twitter DMs on, like, our main account are not weren't open, but they're open now. So if you want to send us a message, feel free. We always want to hear from you. Um, I don't... I'll see you next week, I guess. I feel, like, so emotional. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, we're done. We're done. The podcast is over. Goodbye.